Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ciao and welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I'm delighted to be joined once again this morning by the brilliant Vittorio Campanile. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, my friend. Not too bad. And we were we were very lucky yesterday, weren't we? We had a full program of Serie A football uh, to get our teeth into on a Wednesday. What more do you want than that, Vittorio? Sitting at home on a Wednesday all day watching football. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like uh, getting back uh, to the 80s where every single match was in the same day. Uh, it's a big holiday. Yesterday is Epiphany here. So, you know, it's it's... It's good to be at home with your family and watch some great football because there were some very interesting matches yesterday. There were indeed. Let's just quickly run you through yesterday's results and then we'll pick a few games uh, to have a little bit of a deep dive on. Uh, it was Atalanta 3, Parma 0, Bologna 2, Udinese 2, Cagliari 1, Benevento 2, Crotone 1, Roma 3, Lazio 2, Fiorentina 1. That would have put a smile on Vittorio's face. <laughs> Uh, Milan 1, Juventus 3, Napoli 1, Spezia 2, Sampdoria 2, Inter 1, Sassuolo 2, Genoa 1 and Torino 1, Verona 1. Um, some of those results would have definitely caught you guys' ears and I'm sure uh, we are going to discuss uh, the, the big game between Milan and Juventus. We're going to discuss Inter's problems as well. But I want to start, Vittorio, with something a little bit different. I want to start by talking a little bit about Benevento, managed by Filippo Inzaghi. 2-1 win at Cagliari yesterday. And they're in 10th place at the moment, Vittorio. They're having a very good season by their standards. Definitely, definitely. And uh, it's a surprise, but you could see it coming. I mean, uh, uh, Filippo Nzaghi uh, started with AC Milan. I thought it was 
they, they rush him a little bit. You need, as a manager, to make experience. Instead, he did one year with Primavera and then immediately with the first squad. And I thought you can see that he he struggled. Uh, he had a lot of problems. He, he lack of experience because people think, okay, if you are a great football player, then you're going to become a great manager. It's not that. It's completely different. You know, uh, if you're a football player, you can... Uh, you don't have the experience of managing a team. And that's what happened with Filippo Inzaghi. Uh, I think he went in the uh, lowest league with Venezia, etc. He did very well last year with Benevento. So I'm not surprised. Uh, Benevento is a tough team. We saw this year getting points against big team, uh, even against Lazio, unfortunately. So, um, yes, it's it's a very difficult team. Everybody talk about it. They have some even uh, you know experienced players some players that are doing very well like Lapadula who is not a top striker but it's a player who fights who helps the team when they're defending they have the the brother of Insigne Roberto who is a very interesting player so they have Glick that maybe uh, Serie A fans will remember him when he was playing with Torino or uh, when he was playing with uh, Monaco in France so uh, it's it's an interesting team. We're not talking about, obviously, a Champions League-level team, but I think they, they will have no problem at all to, to stay in Serie A this year. Yeah, absolutely. And credit to Filippo Inzaghi, because as you said, uh, there were many people, weren't there, Vittorio, who felt that yes. as a manager, he had he had already failed and that there was no way of him turning this around. He's gone back to basics. He dropped down a couple of levels and now he's doing really well with Benevento. And I would predict, and I don't know if you feel the same, it won't be too long before uh, Filippo Inzaghi goes on to do what his brother's done and manage one of Italy's biggest clubs. Yes, the problem with that is he already had the, the experience with AC Milan, so maybe a couple of teams could be scared of giving him another chance. Uh, I think, though, that he proved to be ready now for a, for a big club. Uh, I don't know. Seeing Fiorentina struggling that much, that could be the, his next his next team, maybe in one year time. So uh, again, people don't understand that experience is very important. Uh, Inzaghi lack of experience when he went to Milan, a little bit like uh, Andrea Pirlo, right, with Juventus. You can yeah. see making him some mistakes. So. Uh, I think now he's ready for a big team. So that's going to be really exciting. Because one thing everybody said about Filippo Inzaghi is that he's a, a football maniac. He eats and breathes football 24 hours a day. So it was a little bit concerning, surprising, seeing him not performing as well as expected as, as a manager. Now things are improving. And yes, you can see a bright future for him uh, in the next coming years. Yep, you can indeed. Uh, just a quick reminder to those of you joining us, if you haven't already, subscribe to Simply Seria on all major podcast stores. Follow us on Twitter at Simply Seria. Follow Vittorio at Vittorio Camper. And if you haven't already, um, please uh, check out our YouTube channel as well. The shows will be going on our YouTube channel too. Uh, so uh, head over to Simply Seria on YouTube and uh, get involved in the program. Really, really appreciate your support. Uh, Vittorio, let's move on to what was probably, well, I would say definitely the shock of the round. And that was Spezia's 2-1 win at Napoli. Um, we were talking about Gattuso on the last show. We were talking about okay. the fact that we still weren't 100% sure about him. Napoli took the lead in this one through Petania, but Enzola and Pobega scored for Spezia. Um, 
to ensure that they took all three points. Massive result for them, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, we have to say one thing, that without the fans in the stadium, uh, playing at home isn't anymore the advantage that was last year when there was the fans, especially playing in the, in stadium like San Paolo or the, or the Olympic in Rome. It's completely different now without fans. So um, home advantage is not that big anymore. But it's surprising because, you know, big teams, they go ahead and then they control the match. Napoli didn't do it. Uh, we said it last time, I'm not convinced about uh, uh, Rino Gattuso. And uh, unfortunately, he's proving me right. Um, he said uh, that uh, the, the two goals were were two big mistakes about uh, his defense. And we have to be honest, it was. Uh, getting a goal at, in the last minute of the match from Spezia is terrible. But this team is struggling. I said it already. Napoli has huge talent and uh, it's not able to, to perform at that level. Uh, let's not forget, they signed Manolas and everybody said, Napoli with Manolas and Koulibaly, the defense is going to be unbelievable. Instead, since they signed Manolas, they start to allow stupid goals every single week. Napoli defense is struggling. Uh, he keeps changing the goalkeeper. Yesterday, Ospina was playing. Then the other match, uh, Meret was playing, etc. Um, he he's not able to find a balance to this team. And you look and you have Lozano, that is playing great football, Zielinski, Insigne, Fabian, uh, Mario Rui, etc. A lot of talent and you're able to lose against Spezia. This is simply unacceptable. We can talk about the penalty. It was a little bit soft. But still, that's a stupid mistake an experienced team like Napoli shouldn't make. And, you know, it's funny because... Um, a couple of months ago, people was believing that Napoli could fight for the Scudetto. Now, <laughs> two months later, people are thinking about the Champions League this year. Yeah, it's... It's um it's worrying for Napoli. You're right. I think you know we, we touched on it. We touched on it last week, um, or earlier in the week. It feels like last week, but we're doing two shows this week <laughs> because there is so much football. Um, but it felt like you know you were onto something when you said that the talent is there, but they're not necessarily grinding out the results that they should be. And a, a defeat at home to Spezia, and all with all due respect to Spezia. Um, they're aside a lot of people. Well, they are fighting for survival, aren't they? They will be come the end Definitely. of the season. So um, it's a it's a great uh, shock, and particularly at the San Paolo. But as you said, we have to take into consideration that, of course, there are no fans in the stadium going to the San Paolo. I still call it that, even though they renamed it. Um, yeah, Maradona. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Um, going there is, you know, is not as I guess, as scary as it once was, yeah. uh, of course, uh, without the fans in the stadium. Let's um, let's move on a little bit. We're going to talk about sort of matters towards the top end of the table now. And of course, one of the things we pointed out on the last show again was that Inter like to do things the hard way. Um, and of course, yes. Inter suffered a 2-1 defeat at Sampdoria. Uh, Claudio Ranieri's side getting the better of Antonio Conte's, and it was Candreva and Keita. Uh, Candreva, of course, on loan from Inter, and, Can and Keita, a former Inter man, who really uh, increased the problems on Antonio Conte. And with Milan and Juve scheduled to play later on that day, at the time it felt, didn't it, Vittorio, like a really big opportunity missed. Massively opportunity missed by Inter. And it's funny because two former players of Inter, <laughs> uh, gave 
Sampdoria three points, three very important points. And I, hello to Tommy. I think he's very happy today. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> but uh, we said it. Inter has a big team. You know, they have so many quality players. And still, they're not playing great football. Um, a lot of English fans will remember Claudio Ranieri. He's, he's a very good manager. He can make your life harder, even with a team that is not amazing like Sampdoria. And that's what happened. Uh, Ranieri organized very well uh, Sampdoria. It's true that, let's not forget it, uh, Inter had a huge chance. They missed a penalty with Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. And uh, you can say that that changed the match because Inter missed a penalty, then Sampdoria had a penalty and Candreva scored. So uh, in Serie A, you won't have a lot of chances because every team, and we saw it with Benevento, with Spezia, these are small teams that are very, very well organized in defense. That's the biggest difference between Serie A and all the other football leagues, right? In Serie A, every small team is very well organized, especially in defense. Maybe they're not very offensive-minded, even if things have changed in the last years, but Ranieri is a typical coach that will make your life harder. And this is what happened. Inter, a little bit like Napoli, are making silly mistakes when they're defending. We saw it last last week, well, last last match, uh, they struggle at home. And uh, this is what happened against Sampdoria. Again, um, it, it, it's, it's strange because, as I said in the last podcast, I think Inter is the best team to fight, the, the team best suited to fight with Juventus till the end of the, of the season for the Scudetto. But if they keep losing points like that, I don't think they're going to be able to to reach that position. Yeah, it's worrying. And and I was talking to somebody yesterday and, and they were talking about sort of, uh, you know, the, the number of sort of Premier League rejects that Antonio Conte seems to have gathered together. And we talk about the talent in the squad and there is a lot of talent. I'm not denying that. But does it feel like some of them have gone a little bit stale? You know, they've gone to Serie A, they've joined up with Inter. You know, and I'm talking about the likes of Ashley Young, maybe Alexis Sanchez, who wasn't, who isn't at his very best. He's nowhere near the player he was at Arsenal. Do you feel like Antonio Conte's approach of bringing in experience, players who have been there, done it, is is going to be his undoing this season? It could be. I mean, we talked in the last podcast about Arturo Vidal. Again, um, you have Arturo Vidal, and I think we all agree, five years ago, he was one of the top midfielders in the world. But you have the chance to sign Tonali, that is very young, and or Arturo Vidal. I think a lot of clubs would have gone with a youngster, especially in these days where you see a lot of youngsters uh, coming up, etc. Uh, Vidal is, is not a good choice. Kolarov, we already talked. Ashley Young, to be honest, last year started very well. When he arrived in January to Inter, he proved a lot of people wrong. Now he's struggling even because this is a very strange season. Let's not forget, uh, every single Serie A team is playing three every three days. And the problem with uh, older players is that they struggle to recover physically and mentally. And this is what's happening with Inter, right? Uh, Ashley Young didn't play, is not playing as well as last season. And uh, that's one of the problems. Uh, Handanovic is a very old goalkeeper. This year, he's making mistakes he's not supposed to do. He didn't do in the past. So, uh, Lukaku got injured last match. He didn't start today. Uh, he didn't start 
uh, against Sampdoria. And you can see the difference, right? He had to come in in the second half to try to get Inter back. And this is a problem because we saw Andrea Pirlo resting Cristiano Ronaldo in a couple of matches. You have to in this very long season. And if Inter is forced to play Lukaku every single match, then the, the risk is that you're going to arrive in April, May, when the league is going to be decided and Lukaku is going to be knackered and not able to perform at his level. So, yes, I, I fear that this could backlash uh, Antonio Conte at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And and as Sanjeev points out, he's watching us live at the moment. Big hello to everybody else watching us live as well. Uh, he says, is it Inter's mentality? They seem to struggle in important situations. We saw that in the CL uh, last and this season as well. It does feel like it, doesn't it, Vittorio, that when it comes to Groundhog Day for Inter, they struggle to get over the line. Definitely. And, and uh, you know, especially here in Italy, they're all uh, talking highly about uh, Romelu Lukaku as one of the best strikers in the world. I think he's very good, but what's missing with him is scoring in key matches. He didn't score against Juventus. In the decisive match of the Champions League this year, he didn't do pretty much nothing. Well, he, he saved a ball on the line that could allow Inter to go through. So that, that's why we all remember Lukaku. Same thing last year. So they went out of the Champions League, uh, not only because of Lukaku, let's be honest, but... In the key moments of the match, Lukaku have failed to perform. And this is one of the reasons why uh, Inter in top matches haven't played as as well. I think at the moment, Lukaku is the key player of this team. With Eriksen completely out, uh, he's probably going to be sold this January if they find someone who will pay that, the fee they want. Uh, Lukaku is, is the key player, but he fails to scoring big matches and this is a big big problem because you want your top striker you pay 68 million euros if i'm not wrong for romero lukaku you want a striker that scores against juventus yes a hat-trick against spezia is important but for 68 million euros i want a striker who score against juventus milan lazio roma the top teams and this hasn't happened yeah, agreed. And um, just a quick one uh, before we move on from Inter. Michael says, morning, Harry. Why were Inter prepared to sell Skriniar in the summer to Spurs of all clubs? From afar, he seems one of the best defenders in Italy. Would you agree with that, Vittorio? Is Skriniar, in your opinion, one of Serie A's top centre-halves? Well, he struggled a lot because with Antonio Conte, uh, Inter moved to the three-man defence. And we have to be honest, Skriniar is not perfectly fit for that type of defence, a three-man defence. Uh, in the national team, in the past, he always played with a four, and that's where he shines. So uh, he struggled a lot, especially last year. There was a moment that he was benched by Antonio Conte. And uh, uh, so there were rumours this summer that Inter was thinking of selling him, uh, obviously at a big fee, because uh, he's a good player, especially with a different type of defence. Uh, but yeah... He's been struggling, and this is one of the problems. I think a good manager is the one that goes in a team, find the players, and say, okay, this is a team for a 4-3-3. I will have to adapt and play a 4-3-3. I don't like that much players that come and say, okay, I play only with a 3-5-2 or with a 4-3-3, etc. So you players have to adapt. And this is what happened with Conte. Skriniar is perfect for a four-man defense. He's struggling with this type of tactic. Eriksen is a, is a player that Inter spent a lot of money 
but he's not suited for the 3-5-2. And we said it last year. And, and they could uh, have waited. They could have waited with Ericsson, couldn't they? And got him basically on a free transfer. But they were desperate to do yeah. it there and then, weren't they? Yeah, because they thought, okay, we, we signed uh, Ericsson in January. We're going to win the Scudetto this year. Instead, this didn't happen. And the question, Harry, is, is there some miscommunication between Marotta, the sport director, and Antonio Conte? Because Conte never gave a chance to Ericsson. So why did Marotta pay the fee? both the player if the manager didn't like him so you know these are question marks and yes Skriniar could easily finish uh, at Spurs this summer and still he's struggling with the, with the, with this three-man defence for sure for sure um, don't forget quick reminder if you're watching us live hit the like button if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast please do so it's available on all major podcast stores just before we move on to the game uh, between uh, Milan and Juve Vittorio we have to give Sampdoria some credit don't we for for their result yesterday um, they're a side who we were talking on this show last season with Tommy that we're, we're in a really bad situation Claudio Ranieri's come in as a bit of a stabiliser hasn't he and as you said he's very organised and he, he's gonna in my opinion achieve at least a, a sort of mid-table-ish kind of finish um, nothing spectacular but Ranieri is is a good person to to keep you stable isn't he? Definitely, definitely. Uh, a manager with big experience, with a lot of experience. A manager uh, who is able to reorganize the team. And it's funny because uh, he took the place of Di Francesco twice now. Once at Roma, he came in and saved the club pretty much. And now he's doing the same with Sampdoria. And as I said before, he organized very well the team. He's, he's able to study the opponent team and prepare some solution to complicate life of the other team, and that's what happened against Lazio, against Inter, etc. Um, and Sampdoria has some interesting players. I'm surprised, for example, that Keita Balde uh, is not starting more matches uh, with Sampdoria. He's huge talent. He's a little bit crazy, but you know his talent is incredible. And um, you know they have Candreva as well, who I think wanted that revenge yesterday. Uh, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't easy to to play that match, especially knowing that the rumors that pop up in the last couple of days of Quagliarella signing for Juventus. You know, Quagliarella is their leader, top scorer, etc. Seeing uh, your top player that could leave suddenly, I think uh, Ranieri was very good to keep uh, the players focused in that situation. Just touching on those reports linking Quagliarella with a move uh, to Juventus. It does seem a little bit strange to me that Juventus, and I know Quagliarella has been a, a brilliant player um, throughout his career, but at his age, are you surprised yeah. to see him linked with with Juventus? And are you not? Would you not expect Juventus to maybe go out and make an investment on someone a little bit more long term? We're talking about a thirty-seven-year-old striker yeah. here. Definitely, definitely. But let's not forget that this season is very different. Uh, every team is lacking with money and Juventus is not an exception. They struggle. They spent a lot of money. They, they should be trying to sell key players to, to recover. And so Quagliarella is the cheap option, right? Uh, they could get him for a, a low fee because, as you said, he's very old. Um, and as we said in the last podcast, without Morata, Juventus haven't got a real number nine because Cristiano Ronaldo is not a number nine. Dybala is more at number 10. So Morata is out. He, he missed the match against AC Milan. And so I think they were looking for a 
easy replacement, a cheap replacement. So yes, Quagliarella, I don't think it's at Juventus level, if you allow me to say something like that, but it's probably a cheap option. I don't think this January market is going to be, especially in Italy, completely different from the past. I don't think big clubs are going to make splash investment. Uh, I don't think Inter is going to sign a player like Ericsson this this winter. And Juventus is in the same situation. If they find something uh, exciting, something cheap, uh, they're going to try to sign him, like Quagliarella. But otherwise, it's going to be quite complicated. I think it's going to be a more... We're going to see a lot of loans with yeah. option to buy, maybe, something like that, because there's no money. If, if in Serie A... Uh, fans won't be allowed to go to matches anymore. Uh, I think a lot of clubs are going to lose a lot of money and this will affect the transfer market. For sure, for sure. It does uh, It does feel like uh, that is going to be the case for a little while longer as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, as you say, the spending in January is very, uh, very limited. Uh, let's move on to the big game between uh, Milan and Juve. Of course, Juve ending uh, Milan's unbeaten run. We were full of praise uh, for Pioli's side on the last podcast. And I don't think that we should take that away from them just after one defeat. Um, but I was very impressed by the way Juventus dug in. Um, and I was very impressed by Chiesa's finishing, uh, Vittorio. His dad would have been proud of that, wouldn't he? Definitely, definitely. And uh, we we saw a change with Chiesa because when he, this year when he started with Juventus, he was impressive. There were a lot of complaints about his performance. Uh, to be honest, even in, in Fiorentina last year, he wasn't playing as expected. Everybody rated him so high and he wasn't performing that well. I think he needed time to adapt to a bigger club, a different situation, a different manager. But in the last two matches, we are seeing a very impressive Chiesa. He scored two nice goals yesterday. To be honest, he could have scored another one just after the first goal. And that probably would have finished the match. Um, but yes, he's impressive. Um, we have to be honest, AC Milan was missing a lot of players yesterday. Um, we know that Ibra is not playing. They had a lot of other players out for COVID and an injury. Uh, Juventus started really well. I thought the first 10-15 minutes were probably one of the best of the season for Juventus. But after Chiesa's goal and he missed another chance, Milan came up and, and uh, they finished strong the first half. They scored, finding the equalizer and had other couple of chances. And even at the beginning of the second half, we have to say that Milan was playing better than Juventus. Uh, what made the difference probably was the second goal of Chiesa. That's where... Uh, Milan a little bit collapsed and said, oh, we're playing great football and they, they are ahead of us again. And maybe a little bit of fatigue came up. And that's where I think the depth of Juventus make the big difference. Uh, Milan already was missing a lot of key players while Juve brought in a couple of talented players and, and they made the difference uh, against Juventus or against AC Milan. So, uh, yes, give credit to 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 Milan because they were missing a lot of players. But, you know, when, when Juventus have the chance to bring in uh, Kulusevski, that last year was, you know, the, the, the key players of Parma. And uh, it's, it tells you how much firepower Juventus have compared to other teams. Yeah, of course. And they brought Artur on, they brought Benedeschi on, Weston McKennie, who obviously got 
the third goal. So you're you're right to make that point about Juventus's depth. It certainly helps, um, and I think particularly in a season like this one, where as you pointed out, there are a lot of games coming thick and fast. It certainly helps, doesn't it, to have that depth. Just quickly, Vittorio, did you feel like there was a foul from Chalanoglu in the build-up to Milan's equaliser? Because that was quite a contentious point. Yeah, it, it looked to me that the ref could have whistled there. Uh, we saw Juventus playing players at the end of the first half complaining with the ref about that. And uh, honestly, knowing how uh, ref works in in Serie A, he could have whistled that uh, that uh, that foul. But I think it made the match more interesting because if you would have finished the first half ahead, I think we wouldn't see that second half so so interesting and, and exciting. So yeah, I would pro- probably would have whistled there, but you know it made the match ex- exciting and uh, Juventus won at the end. So I think they're happy anyway. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Lazio, they moved to within five points of Juventus in fourth. And all of a sudden, it doesn't look so bad uh, for Simone and Zaghi's side. Win over Fiorentina, goals from Saicedo and Immobile. Um, we know Fiorentina have been out of form this season, Vittorio, but you must have been delighted to see uh, Lazio pick up all three points and close the gap on the top four. Yes, it was a much-needed win for Lazio because all the other teams, well, except Napoli, have won. So uh, not winning yesterday against Fiorentina would have been dramatic for for Juventus, uh, for Lazio hope for the Champions League. Uh, again, unfortunately, Lazio played very well the first 45 minutes and struggled in the second half. And this is something that we are seeing every single week, every single match. Um, on the other side, there's Fiorentina that it's a little bit like Napoli. Well, Napoli for me has much more talent players, but still Fiorentina has a very good uh, squad and they're not playing amazing football. It's true. They lost Ribéry in the first half. Uh, I said it last year. Ribéry is 37. He's, he was an amazing player, but you cannot expect him to play consistently and to play a lot of matches. Uh, they have Vlaovic, who is a very young striker. I, I like him a lot. I rate him very high. He has to make experience. He has to improve. But they have a very interesting goalkeeper in Dragoski, etc. They they bought Ambarabat from Verona, that last year was one of the most exciting midfielders. And still, they're not playing great football. Uh, they changed the manager. I don't think Prandelli is a very good manager anymore. So, yes, and they are nearly at the bottom of the Serie A, so that, that's concerning. Uh, on Lazio's side, we see a little bit improvement, but they have to play 45 minutes. They have to play 90 minutes, not only 45. But Chino Mobile is keeping scoring. I mean, he's he he shouldn't... He was uh, injured. He didn't... Pl- there was concern that he couldn't play because he didn't uh, train the day before. Instead, he played. He played very well, probably the best, the man of the match, and he scored again. So... Uh, <laughs> That, that's the reason why Lazio won. But they have to improve, especially seeing what Roma, Atalanta, Sassuolo are doing now. Yeah, for sure. And, and Immobile is one of those players, isn't he, at the moment in Serie A, that if you've got him in your side, you always have a chance. He scores with such regularity, as you said, put in a really good display yesterday. Um, just touching on Atalanta, they beat Palmer by three goals to nil. Um, Atalanta starting to show signs again, Vittoria, that they're on their way back to something like what they were. Mm, I don't think so. They 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 are really struggling this year. Uh, they 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 cha- they sack Liverani, who was you know uh, an interesting uh, decision because 
he was one of the rising manager, the rising youngster manager, who in the past couple of years, uh, last year he was with Lecce, uh, he showed some glimpse of talent, of very interesting football. The problem is you have to also defend. And he's struggling on that side. That's the reason why uh, Parma is allowing a lot of goals. And uh, Parma shouldn't be in that position, but they, they are now in the, you know... Uh, relegations uh, situation and it's getting complicated so and again i see parma who has quality players they shouldn't be there so we'll see if the, the change of manager will help them but uh it's a very tough season so uh and playing against atalanta atalanta had a month ago uh, a period where they were struggling they were losing some strange matches now they're back again at the top form uh, since Gomez is on, has been benched, Atalanta is back to the form. Now, uh, um, Gasperini said, we don't have to put all the blame on, on Gomez. It's not his fault. But the thing is, since Gomez ha has been removed from the starting eleven, Atalanta is back on top form. And uh, uh, it's always tough to play against Atalanta because they run for 95 minutes and they play unbelievable football. He's a very talented player, though, isn't he, Papu Gomez? Is he somebody that you look at from the outside, obviously, maybe as a, even as a Lazio fan, and you think, you know what, it might be worth uh, trying to go after this guy. He could improve a lot of sides, couldn't he? Definitely, definitely. But the problem is it's going to be a very complicated winter transfer. Uh, Atalanta wants money for the players, something around 10 million euros. At this moment, I'm honestly not sure any Serie A football club can spend 10 million euros on a player that is 34 years old. He's still good, but he's 34 years old. He wants something around 3 million euros of salary. So, you know, the rumors were that Inter, if Inter was able to sell Ericsson this winter, they could go after Papu Gomez. That probably would fit better in the in the Conte scheme than uh, Ericsson. Apart from Inter, I don't know, obviously, he would be great addition for Juventus, Milan, Inter, Lazio, Rome. All the big teams would love to have Gomez. But you have to think about the money as well. And, uh, you know, with uh, no ticket revenue, no match day revenue, it's hard to spend 10 million euros on Papu Gomez. That is still a great player, but 34 years old. How long can he last at top level? I don't know. Yeah, no, great points. Uh, great points indeed. Let's pick up some of your live questions. I can see there's a few in the chat. Let's uh, address those uh, before we wrap up. Uh, let's have a look what we've got here. Uh, we've got Forza Roma from Claudio. Uh, Vittoria doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> Roma is keeping... It's. I don't want to say the biggest surprise because it's not. Milan has to be the biggest surprise. But... I didn't expect to see Roma uh, performing that well and being at that position now. Uh, as I said, Mkhitaryan, is, who scored again yesterday, is having a great season. Uh, they didn't have Zeko. We said that without Zeko, things could change. And still, they find a way to beat. Now, Crotone is a team that uh, struggles a lot. It's not playing great football, or at least it's playing great football, but it's conceding too much. But Borja Mayoral scored... And uh, he's proving everybody wrong. I mean, Roma could be the surprise. I, I didn't put it in the top four, but now you have to. And um, 
you know, the, they they had their problems because Seiko missed a couple of matches for COVID-19. Um, so, you know, now they're third. Um, they, they really can reach the Champions League position, especially if Napoli keeps struggling, Lazio keeps struggling. So, big surprise. They, they did an incredible job this summer. Every time you mention Mkhitaryan playing well as an <laughs> Arsenal fan, it feels like a knife in my heart um, because, you know, Arsenal have, have been struggling for creativity in that sort of role that Mkhitaryan feels perfect for. Um, I know he didn't have a great time at Arsenal, but, you know, you look at the player and there's clearly talent there. So every time you say that, it really hurts, uh, I've got to say. Uh, big hello to Akil joining us from India. How you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. Um uh, Akil goes on to talk about, he, he mentions Roma. We've already kind of touched on that, but we've already touched on Atalanta as well. But Vittorio, do you think Atalanta could be a dark horse for those Champions League positions? Definitely, definitely. I, I, I thought uh, they could they struggle a little bit one month ago. And this happened the same thing last year. In December, half November, Atalanta lost a lot of matches last year. Uh, Gasperini said we missed Zapata, that is their top striker top nine, number nine I would say last year got injured and he said that was the reason but they did the same this year I think it could be a physical issue you know um, they have to play Champions League Serie A so maybe a couple of players were a little bit tired but they are now back on top form and Atalanta is a very dangerous team it's a team that can beat any other team uh, when when they play at their level they can lose against anybody and we saw it already this season but definitely in this this is going to be a very weird season i think it's going to be full of surprise i mean no one could expect napoli to lose at, at home against la spezia this is what happened so definitely inter um, um atalanta and roma can definitely fight for the champions league position i think that uh Milan, Juve and Inter will fight for the Scudetto if Milan keep up. Now we have to see how they react to this first defeat. But I think they will they will finish in the top three. So there's going to be a spot available, the last spot for the Champions League. And Atalanta and Roma are at the moment, for me, the favourite for that position. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Michael asks about Aaron Ramsey. He says he seems to be playing better for Juve now. He's had time to adapt after a rocky start. Uh, Vittorio, he asks, do you think he'll stay? Just kind of my thoughts on Ramsey last night. I, I saw an Aaron Ramsey that works hard, an Aaron Ramsey that runs a lot, which is what we always saw during his days at Arsenal. But I still saw an Aaron Ramsey who maybe doesn't always use the ball correctly in the key moments. Would you agree with that, Vittorio? How have you assessed his Juve career so far? You know, he, as you said, he's someone that runs fight a lot. I think he's making some silly mistakes and you don't expect from a top player or from a player from a top club to make those silly mistakes. So there was rumors in the past month that Juventus could sell this player, even because he's often injured. And that's one of the biggest problems, right? Because uh, if you cannot play because you're often injured, then you're not very useful for this club. But Pirlo, I think a couple of weeks ago, said that he loves Ramsey. Ramsey. He definitely rated him very high as a, as a player. So, And we see it. When he's fit, he usually starts. So... There were some rumors that Juventus could sell him. I don't think it's going to happen because Pirlo rates him very high. And, you know, the fact that he started yesterday in a very important match, he, he didn't play amazing, but 
he started um i think he played decently so uh my impression is that UA was expecting much more from him when they sign him yeah but they're happy with him at the moment and again uh, it's going to be a very difficult uh, winter transfer market so if they don't get the right money they won't sell ramsey because they they will struggle to find a replacement yeah and, and of course with aaron ramsey it was a free transfer wasn't it like and you they have done so many of those over the recent years i know that there is a big sort of pay packet on the table but with somebody like aaron ramsey with no transfer fee involved they didn't go and spend 40 50 million euros to bring him in the risk is you know if the investment doesn't pay off as much obviously it's less of a risk isn't it and less of a strain on the football club um big hello to papos who says great podcast thank you so much uh thomas uh, says smash that like button people forward say juve oh <laughs> uh, vittoria is not gonna enjoy that one either you lot are trying to wind him up today what's going on <laughs> well uh, you know we have to be honest after inter losing against sampdoria i thought okay Inter, Juventus is going to win uh, against AC Milan and they're going to go and win the season. It happens pretty much every year in the past years or so. Yeah. You find a team that suddenly uh, looks to win the Scudetto, then there's Inter is always there fighting, then Inter loses a, a stupid match and Juventus go on and wins the Scudetto. Like last year, like right? Lazio was... Lazio beat Juventus twice in the Supercoppa final and in the league. And people started think, thinking, wow, you went, Lazio can win the Scudetto, maybe Inter. And then and Juventus was struggling, to be honest, with the Maurizio Sarri. They didn't play great football. And then at the end, what happens? Juventus win the Scudetto. So this could be a turning point for the Serie A, even yeah. if it's January, still early, etc. But, you know, winning at San Siro against Milan that was undefeated, I think it could change a lot of things. Uh, mentally, for Juventus and for Milan. It just feels inevitable, doesn't it, that Juventus yeah. are going to end up uh, being there or, you know, going to go on to win it and be right at the top and and the team to beat sort of in a couple of months' time. Uh, a little bit further down the line, I'm sure we'll see the table uh, take a little bit more shape. Uh, just finally, Vittorio, uh, one last question. Peter Gunn says, G'day, fellas. I'm assuming he's joining us from Australia. How are you doing, Peter? Uh, he says, is there any talk about Koulibaly? Now, Koulibaly was heavily linked with a move away from Napoli in the summer. He was linked with Liverpool. He was linked with Manchester City, uh, you know, a, a number of clubs. That's gone a little bit quiet, hasn't it? Is that because Napoli or, or, or nobody has come up with an offer that is what Napoli feel he's worth? Do you think that he will uh, remain at the club uh, at least until the end of this season? Well, I don't see him leaving this January, to be honest. But Napoli, without the Champions League, must make a big sacrifice. Uh, the rumours were last summer that Koulibaly could leave. Now, the problem was that Manchester City, that was the only club ready to make the offer that Napoli wanted, uh, had a big fight in the past with uh, with uh, uh, Napoli. Uh, the Jorginho situation, everybody will remember. He was very close to City and then uh, things go uh, another way. So City didn't wanted the player but didn't want to talk directly to Napoli. And so did, this created the problem. But the thing is, Harry, is that you thought with Manolas and Koulibaly, Napoli, uh, Napoli defence should be amazing. Instead, they're struggling a lot. So maybe, you know, it's time to part away with players. Um, obviously, after the COVID-19, 
I don't think Napoli can get any more the price they were asking last year. But I think they still can get a lot of money. But this summer, I don't think they're going to sell it now, especially uh, looking at the table. Napoli is not uh, in the position they wanted, they hope it to be. So selling a top players now would be would send a, a very bad message to the fans. It would be... Uh, I, I don't see it happening. But definitely, next summer, I can see him leaving. It yeah. probably is the best best solution for both the team and the player. If ever there was a time uh, to uh, to upset the fans, when you know you're going to have to, it's probably best to do it, though, while they're not in the stadium, I suppose. And they can't <laughs> make themselves heard. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff, Vittorio. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of this edition of Simply Serie A, our second episode of the week. A big thanks to everybody who joined us live, to everybody who's going to be listening uh, to this back Uh don't forget you can subscribe on all major podcast stores. We've got a YouTube channel. Uh, get following Vittorio at Vittorio Camper. Check out the Lazio Lounge as well, which is Vittorio's channel. Um, and the biggest thanks goes to Vittorio for coming in, uh, providing his expert insight into the world of Italian football. So thank you very much, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Right. Don't forget, like, subscribe, share, comment. You know the drill by now. We'll be back next week with another episode of Simply Serie A. Until then, take care. And most importantly, stay safe. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.